0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Oh, I have no idea how many Minnesota Timberwolves blueprints for successes ago... We last chatted on this station, and it probably wouldn't even have been this frequency. It was probably the AM 1130 KFN days, as opposed to now the sexy, hot FM 100.3, 100,000-watt FM radio days. But uh, Craig Kilborn is indeed, he is not chickening out. He is kind enough to join us on this lovely Friday afternoon. Mr. Kilborn. how are you? Hello. (laughs) <laughs> maybe he's chickening out Chickening out after all try
0: that there we go are you there oh danny it's good to hear your voice it's good to be home
1: man oh man you've you you've been in the hollywood hills for a long time but you don't forget your roots do you
0: you're one of my favorites i listen to you at least once a year when you interview zimmer
1: <laughs> well you, you had good timing because it was just yeah, it was just last week that's very true i heard it
0: yeah I heard it. You were, uh, those were probing questions.
1: Well, you got to mix and match with, you know, he was in a good mood. And so when Zim's in a good mood, you, you you push. There are some days where you know there's not much point in pushing. Do you think the kids who are listening, do I have to introduce you to them? I mean, you, you've been out of yeah. the mainstream. Let me do that just because there's, okay. I don't want to assume anything anymore with the kids. Um, you are not technically one of us because you were born in Kansas City. But moved here early when you were a kindergartner, I believe, Hastings, Minnesota. Um, my sources, by the way, say and I want to tell I want you to tell me if there's any good stories we can get to about this later. You were once a Care 11 intern for Randy Shaver.
0: Oh, say hi to Randy. Say hi uh, to Randy Shaver. Uh, and also try to track down Andrea Shane. She was a reporter there. I don't know where she ended up. Oh, okay. She went to Arizona. Okay, fair Anyways. enough. <laughs>
1: well, and 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 let's fast forward. I mean, you go to you're a, a big shot. All state basketball player. You end up going, yeah. somehow you ignore Golden Gophers, University of Minnesota, and you end up at Montana State. Um, eventually, you figure out that I'm not going to be an NBA player, but I do have a talent to do something else. And so look at the progression Sports Center, I think 93 to 96, one of the big shot anchors, including the feel good edition. Daily show, 96 through 98. And then you got the Late Late Show, 4 5. Outstanding years as well. Um, so now the kids can say, "Oh, that's that's not a bad resume."
0: Well, it's it's a resume. I uh, I have a I have a clever sense of humor. Sometimes uh, it's also irreverent, but also on occasion. And I'm much more mature now. It could be harsh. I went back to Tilden Elementary School when I got the CBS job. I was touring Minnesota to promote the CBS Late Late Show, and the kids gathered at Tilden Elementary, and I looked at them, and I said, dream. I went to school here. Dream. Although none of you will be as successful as me. <laughs> so, so, as you just said, the resume to the young people who yeah. have no idea who I am, and that's fine. Uh, how many of them are going to turn the ball over at the Big Sky Conference like I did? I mean... That's the beauty of
1: it. The eclectic nature of your resume uh, beyond the what you end up doing, but what you did along the way as well. I, have you looked at your Wikipedia entry lately? Uh,
0: no, not for a few months. What's okay. up?
1: Well, here's what's fascinating to me. It, it lists birth name, born, medium, education, alma mater, uh, years active, and then genres. It uh, The genres it says you are a part of. Let me read these to you, see if you agree. Political okay. slash news satire observational comedy, cringe comedy. What the hell is cringe comedy? Will you define cringe comedy, and are you a proponent of it?
0: No, I'm not a fan. Although I, although we did, there's a thing called shock jokes, and we would do those uh, on the show sometimes. And then as you get older, you get, my my comedic sensibility now, that's the term they use out here, is sensibility. It's more aristocratic. It's on my Instagram, which is, ah. Uh-huh however you want to describe that so I'm not a proponent of cringe comedy uh
1: right, then the next one listed is blue comedy you don't really do that much blue comedy or do no. you once upon a time I'm kind of rare where I lose the f word yeah I'm...
0: I actually had this joke I don't know, I think I can do it here ah, like, give it a I shot it. you
1: know if we have we got a delay button going we'll hit the button okay. if we have to
0: so I didn't like there were a lot of there were there were different actresses there was this thing out here called the vagina monologue yes I think You've heard of that, right? Yes, I
1: have. Absolutely, I think and we've 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 discussed it from time to time on the show.
0: And and I didn't. I thought the I called it the V monologues ah. because I explained that the word is too clinical for me. I don't like the word, so I I just say the V monologues. I'm a little inconsistent now. Of course, I do like Mama's silk purse. You can use that one, but that's a joke from about twenty years <laughs> ago.
1: That so is that's there true. Is,
0: there is an inconsistency. Yeah. that a lot of us have you know that's yeah i think that
1: let's taste uh your the other two listed are insult comedy and then deadpan now deadpan is you right i mean you right. you you i thought elevated the art of deadpan very effectively through a sports center and on when you were doing the talk shows as well you would right. you, you would you would raise your hand to deadpan how about um insult comedy well I'm
0: not i mean i've I passed all that i mean i i can see when I was in the daily show we did a lot of I actually both late night shows. We did a lot of celebrity jokes. Yes. And they were they were insults because we thought the celebrities could handle them. But uh, I'm not a fan of insult comedy, really. I mean, it's again, it's uh, my favorite sitcom of all time is Frasier. Mm, yeah. What you said, and you the, told me the other day. You
1: kind of discovered long after, correct?
0: Yeah. When I was working, I didn't watch. I only watched uh, live sports. I didn't watch a lot a lot of television so i used to have jane leaves on who played daphne moon and i had her on the show a number of times i had kelsey grammar on i had i had niles on and perry gilpin uh so i but i didn't i wasn't really into i didn't watch the show then i became i i I quit late night and then i became obsessed with Hmm. frazier i still watch it at least three times a week i'll just watch they're just fun to fall asleep to it's just nice to hear their voices it's clever but if I had to interview Jane Leaves, if I was actually watching the show, I mean, I would have asked her out or something. It would have been crazy. <laughs> I, I was in love with Daphne Moon. <laughs> understandably.
1: Very understandably. Yeah. Who wasn't, quite frankly? Yeah. Or Who still is? I mean, there's still a lot of people who are because you can keep watching it. And, you know, the, the, the we're in suspended animation. So 2004, yeah. you wrapped up Late Late Show, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so I'm doing the math. We have uh, neither my producer nor I are very good at math. But I think that's six, about 16 years ago. So all of us are have, you know, won I've wondered for much of the last 10 years. Has it been 10 years since you've been on this show? It's got to be longer than that. Um, so now now what? I mean, we're all assuming that someone who's still, you're not that old. Uh, you're definitely not as old as I am. I think you're in your 50s. You're saying, well, you know, he well, he's got to be doing stuff. But you gave me the impression the other day. You kind of like being relatively idle. You're not, it doesn't eat away at you. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. Here's, and I always like to apologize to the well-meaning people and the fans who miss me or whatever they say. I'm perfectly content (laughs) sitting out. I know it's stunning to some people. (laughs) The late night show was my career goal. There is, there is something I would do, but it's such a long shot and it's so narrow what I want to do. And, and it would be something with my aristocratic sensibility. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm just going to give you an exclusive, a kernel. Doesn't mean it's ever going to happen. But I'm really enjoying Instagram because I, some of my best friends are writer friends from the old late the CBS show. The mm-hmm. guy, one of them is Alex Sulkin. He wrote a movie called Ted and Ted 2 ah. and, and uh, with uh, Seth MacFarlane. He, he works concurrently on Family Guy. And then there's Julius Sharp, who's done some sitcoms. And then there's my friend Mike Gibbons. I use all of them on the air on CBS. These guys, we just crack each other up on Instagram, and they're so encouraging to me on Instagram. But there was this guy. This, I mean, there are different things that come up, and I enjoy. Nothing really interests me in the broadcasting world or anything. And, but there was a producer who is, I respect who does independent films. And he said, let's do an independent film about you and your life in the Hollywood Hills. You know, this, this walking away from late night. Yeah. And I'm all I'll say is I'm talking to him and I'm starting to write some ideas down. It could take years. I apologize to you, Dan. I, I'm just content sitting on the sideline. If something, I, I also often joke, I want to be the la- I want to be the only person in America without a podcast. I mean, there's, I mean, so I that's my story. I I uh, I have a cool, a nice 1923 house in a beautiful area called Hancock Park, a Park which is historic, and then I have a little home out in the desert, and I have a beautiful wife, and we have a great time. You know? Yeah. So, well, I,
1: that, that's the uh, we're, we're chatting by the way with Craig Kilborn. If you haven't figured that out, um, it is. he can't possibly, he's got to be chomping at the bit. He's, he's got to be, you know, what's, what's next? I, I, you know, I I missed the limelight, but it is possible Uh that you can't, you don't have to revel in that or need it any longer. And it certainly sounds as if you've been very comfortable. I'm assuming financially you're in good shape. You uh, weren't somebody that I'm sure I don't I don't know if you're somebody who spent an exorbitant amount of money, but I, I sense that, you know, everything's pretty secure and you say, Okay, if something I really like comes along, uh then maybe consider it, but otherwise just go so what is day to day life like for Craigers?
0: Coffee in the morning and I listen to I do do either of you people know the musician who's passed away named Bill Evans. Yes. Plays piano.
1: Yes, terrific.
0: Yeah, I, I listen to my Bill Evans station, so peaceful. Oh, yes. And I read, I read all the stuff I want to read. I exercise, and I come up with gems for Instagram, and I just, you know. But, but I, am, I am talking to I, – I always work on a little project. I'm always writing something. But I, I do – I would say, you know, my mom said something to me when I was growing up. My dad was very, very funny. He was like a Steve Allen type. And he did some acting in high school and in college. He went to Teaneck High, and he went to Rutgers on the East Coast. And he was just a very, very funny guy. And he loved Johnny Carson and stuff. He was an insurance guy. He worked in insurance, but he was very clever, does a crossword puzzle every morning. And my mom said, you know, your dad likes to be on stage, and, and you're good at being on stage, but I, like, I don't mind being in the audience. I don't mind watching uh, even though my mom was a great piano player and she taught piano. And I and I think I'm not addicted to the stage. It's very easy. But it's also because I accomplished what I wanted to. Yeah. And now I'm very particular about what I would do. And it, I would just say there are many ways to say it. It's more exhilarating for me to be sitting like this on the sideline than take a, a broadcasting job that bores me. Uh, so.
1: can, by the way, and Bill Evans, for those who don't know, a uh, great uh, jazz pianist who had, you could argue that the greatest jazz collaboration ever was Bill Evans and Miles Davis. I mean, that's, about as, that's about as good as it gets for those of yeah. you who care, and I am in that category. My dad was a huge jazz guy, and that's what put it in my head forever and ever and ever. Um, okay, well, since you have been relatively sidelined, after, you know, getting the, the, the attaining the goal that was most important to you, give me the most tantalizing job offer or opportunity that you could have at least explored, but you chose not to.
0: You know, um, I knew you were going to ask some of these questions cause you're a good interviewer. Okay. But I'm a little tougher than Mike Zimmer.
1: <laughs> you're not going to roll over for me. Is that so, what you're saying? Yeah.
0: So kiss my ass. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I was going to say, I'll, I'll answer that question. I was going to go back to financial. I was going to tell you that my dad taught me the value of a dollar. When I was in ninth grade in Hastings junior high, there were people that thought I could have played on varsity in ninth grade. Uh, and I did end up playing uh, on varsity as a sophomore. And I led the team in scoring and rebounding 16 and 11. And then it went up to 19 points a game, 25 or 26. That's not what you were asking. How many shot, my, on, on
1: how many but, shots? How efficient were you, though? Weren't well, you the, averaging the 32
0: care, shots? Uh, no, no. I, oh. I All I care about is field goal percentage. It's my favorite stat. <laughs> yeah, It's my favorite stat in the NBA. But when I was in ninth grade, there were so many guys that went out. And I want to do a shout-out to my old coach, Jake Moore. Who I retired recently, I saw. I saw it on YouTube. They did a special on it from CCO. So Jake Moore was the ninth grade basketball coach, and and they had two teams because so many people went out. So they had like twenty two guys or something. And I, I listen. I played all summer long. These guys went fishing. I worked on my game all summer long. Who had the least? My dad made decent money. He made good money. We're not buying leather Nikes for forty dollars. The soles will wear out before the – you're wearing Canvas Converse. I was the only guy on Converse as a ninth grader.
1: Whoa.
0: Because Dad says we're not buying these leather knives. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: By the way, in, um, in your late night, your five years, four and a half, whatever it was on late night, did you ever hold a guest over through a break?
0: Oh. You mean, like, say we're going to keep we're going to keep going with
1: you? Yeah, I mean, as in yeah.
0: Can hang, I give you his name? Can well, I give you his name? Sure. I, I went the whole hour with him. He oh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what.
1: Dude, let, this is even better. Let's tease that. Let's take a short break, and right. then we'll give you a chance to answer that. And we haven't even talked about how committed you remain to Minnesota sports teams as well. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Craig Kilborn, kind enough to join us, and we'll get the answer to that key question as well when we return here in the fan. You are listening to Barrero on the fan. it to Bumper back on the fan. Craig Kilborn is indeed back with us, former late night, late, late night uh, superstar, kind enough to join us for a second segment. Um music accompaniment via the producer, Justin Gard. Let me Beautiful. ask you, uh, you mentioned Beautiful. that you had a guest that you kept over for an entire hour.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think you've heard of him, but he um, he's, he had not done Letterman at this point. Ah. And Letterman always wanted him on. And I knew his wife at the time because she worked up... Uh, well, I, I worked up in Salinas Monterey, uh, Santa Cruz, the 110 market, before I went to ESPN, and she was an anchor there, and uh, we both lived in Carmel, and we were friends, and she married the former mayor of Carmel, and he uh, maybe you've heard of him. He starred in a movie called Dirty Harry, <laughs> and uh, he was in Unforgiven. So I had Clint on, and I went an hour with him, and that was fun.
1: That's terrific. I do not remember that. That's a cool yeah. right there. Was, was Letterman bitter with you?
0: Oh, I don't know. I'm not, not not it was kind of a normal way for him to well, <laughs> <yeah. will> be. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, Cranky Dave. We call him Cranky Dave. Yeah. But uh I will say this. Um I actually um I'll have to tell you a story off the air about Clint. It's my best story, but I have to work blue. I can't tell it Damn. to over well, the radio. But can you get me dinner with him? Oh, did I had you? dinner with him a couple times. In Carmel? Uh, no, in New York, when I was doing The Daily Show, she uh, Dina called and said, hey, we're in town. You want to go have dinner? And we went downtown to Nobu and had dinner, and I uh, talked to Clint, and then a couple years later, he did the, the show. So, so tell me about— I'll give you... Well, go ahead. Let me, just give you, let me just give you one of the five questions for Clint Eastwood. Okay, perfect. It was, the fifth, it was the fifth one. And finally, Clint, I want you to squint because you're angry and then squint because it's sunny. We want to see the difference in your squint. know. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs>
0: so that was Brilliant. fun.
1: Well, how was the? He's he's a. I've I've read some interviews he's done. He does interviews occasionally that like as in magazine interviews. Uh, and he's quirky, obviously. And it seems like you got to get him going in the right direction because other times it looks like he could also be contentious. What was it like during that hour? Anything else stand out about? How it went was it was it a yeah, challenging was, interview or was it was he pretty open? What do you remember?
0: He's he was very nice to me and he he does talk at his own pace. Um, but there was a moment in the interview where I knew he grew, he grew up in Oakland and he then he went to Fort Ord and then he discovered Monterey Carmel, which is his favorite place and it's my favorite place. And I said to him because he's a uh, he's six three or six four. And I said, uh, so did you play, uh, what sports did you play in high school? And he said, I didn't play any sports. I didn't play any sports. And he could, he could see that I was crestfallen. I was like, <laughs> what? what, what, what? I go, you, you, come on, you got you to do something. He goes, I'll be whatever you want me to be. <laughs> <laughs> but fun. no, so I guess he, uh, I don't know if he took theater. I, think, I don't think he took theater even in high school. I think that was later. But I enjoyed interviewing him. He's uh I don't think there'll be a career like that No, the the directing and the longevity. No. It's is, amazing. It's kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he, he sort of keeps uh, oddly enough reinventing himself long after the Dirty Harry stuff, right? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. He's taken it in so yeah. many different directions since then. I don't think you ever answered my question before the break though, the best job you ever
0: I don't know. Turned I'll down. give you a quick. Uh, this will be more entertaining. I'll just give you a couple. I know I'll just give you a few things. Okay. I don't know what the best one was. All right. When I when I I did a few movies and I got bored doing the movies, so I said I want to do my own movie or no movie. And then I got a couple sitcom offers, but none of one of them was on the air. But I don't I remember that it, it went away. You know, after one season, it was on ABC with Jerry O'Connell. I would have to look up what it was. Okay. There were sitcom offers. There were a whole bunch of broadcasting offers that I'm not interested in. And then there were things like this. I'll give you a talk show one. Now, I didn't really want to do another talk. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumpacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumpacasino.com
0: No purchase necessary. Void We're prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk show, but there was there was uh, you know Fox had Mad TV yes. on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and and they had they went up against uh, Saturday Night Live. So Mad TV went away, and an executive called and said, "You want to take a meeting about doing a show on Saturday night?" I said, "Mm, "I don't want to go up against Saturday Night Live." So that was there. There Uh, those kind of yeah. I I didn't take the meeting, you know. Right. There was a a a guy called and said, "Hey, you want to host this year's uh version of Last Comic Standing?" You want to be the host of what? I said, "No, thank you." So those kind of things. I don't know what the best one was. Those are all interesting.
1: Yeah. Those are all interesting. Um, you know uh. We got it. We're gonna. We got to kind of sh- scramble around here a little bit because I do want to include some sports rubidity, some sports rube stuff. Because I know you are continue to be con- very connected uh, here, because these are the yeah. teams that you grew up uh, uh, worshiping, and of course you're a huge basketball guy, and of course you've lived and died with the Timberwolves, which means you've mainly died several times <laughs> over the over the decades. But right. tell me if you would, or tell the audience um, a little bit about. I'm, a, I'm still a little devastated that you didn't bother to check in with us when you did this but you reminded me the other day that when Rambus was here coaching the short period of time he was that you blew in via Learjet to see Johnny Flynn what was that all about
0: uh, I knew Kurt Rambus's agent and he said we got it we got a jet let's go see his first two games second game was against LeBron by the way with Cleveland uh, and I I think that was the second game. I know LeBron was there. Was he the first and yeah. second first game? And yeah, Johnny Flynn was there and Kurt. And I thought Kurt actually did a solid job with. The, I know the record was abysmal, but he did. They ran a pretty decent triangle offense. It, and David Kahn was the debacle. He was the, the president of the GM. But uh, there's an interesting story there about the city. But I I don't know how much time you have. But my brother All the time came in the world. Chicago. Okay. So I I grew up in Minnesota. Unlike you, I grew up in Minnesota. <laughs> so
1: I've been reminded of uh, this many times by uh, usually by Sid Hartman. But go ahead.
0: Uh, and I am. I I, don't, I hope we get to it. But I'm a huge Mike Zimmer fan. I think we're fortunate to have him as the head coach. He's All a right. tough guy. He he's a defensive genius. I love Mike Zimmer. But when we when I my brother and I came up for the game, we stayed first in Minneapolis. Then we drove. We were there a few days because there were two games. And then we drove down to Hastings just to see it again, and we stopped at the beer stube. And I didn't get have time to call Jake Moore, but I did run into Mike Loudon, one of the old coaches. And then we drove back up to St. Paul, and my bro- we went to the St. Paul Hotel, and my brother says, let's stay here. I love a lobby bar. There's a, lo- there's a bar in the lobby. Let's stay in the St. Paul Hotel. So we stayed there that night, and my father had worked in St. Paul. He commuted to St. Paul. And he took us to the Gopher Bar and Grill, and we had Coney Islands, and all. We took us to the White Castle, you know, all uh-huh. this kind of stuff. But I didn't know because I I was not as a, I didn't spend time in Minnesota as an adult. I really, really like St. Paul, and I like the architecture and I like Summit Avenue. So the concierge at the St. Paul Hotel, he said he was a fan of mine. He said I haven't been this excited since Melissa Sue Gilbert stayed with us. was <laughs> <laughs> And he said to me, I went to Augsburg, he said, I went to Augsburg College. Think of St. Paul as the last city built in the East and Minneapolis as the first city Uh, built in the West. uh, I'm sure you've heard this. Yes. But St. Paul, I mean, we ate at a place called Meritage in the Ham's Building, uh, or Meritage, Meritage. And it was St. Paul's an underrated city, in my opinion. Go, Dan. No question.
1: No, you're 100% right. I'm, I'm just glad you had the opportunity to do that. Uh, on that trip in, even though, again, my feelings were hurt that you never reached out to us to maybe, you know, pop on the air, because we'd have found room for you.
0: I'm sorry. That's all right. I well, okay. I, I, I really did check out, and it was glorious. <laughs> it was so much fun,
1: <laughs> you know. Uh, by the way, I mean, by the way, um, when yeah. you were growing, did you get much of an opportunity when you're growing up here to see any games at the barn, any games, any gopher games? Was that not in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. Okay.
0: Jim? Jim Dutcher was in my living room recruiting me. Norm Stewart from Missouri. I ended up going to Montana State. I say I rode the bench, but I, I did for the most part. But I, and I also joked that I led the Big Sky in turnovers. I did play in a summer league, a summer league at the Williams Arena, and I, so I played on the court, and uh, I think I guarded Trent Tucker in summer league. No kidding. I held him at thirty-four. He was averaging like fifty. Yeah. Why did you turn and, down Dutch? Not enough money? Oh, no, you know, no, they did, uh, they, they recruited, they visited different guys. Okay. And they, and, and, and they would take one Minnesota guy, unless they were outstanding Minnesota players. I was just, well, I would have been a bench player there. They took a guy named Barry Waller. Uh, ah. Yeah. He was on a football scholarship and basketball, something like that. But he played football, and so they took him, and that was it. And I didn't think I'd play anyways. I didn't go, I would have gone to Missouri yeah. and sat the bench if I, uh you know if I didn't, the Montana State thing the only reason I didn't play is I was also recruited by Mike Montgomery from the University of Montana from Missoula I went to Montana State in Bozeman this guy Jeff Epperly was he was supposed to go to Montana he was from Kalispell Mon, Montana and he ended up going going to Montana State with both shooting guards he got the he got the nod over me he was a great athlete he was like Rex Chapman but of mm. course but of course Pistol I was Pistol Pete Pistol Pete's better than Rex Chapman Correct.
1: Just, just so you know, uh, no, you'll get no argument from me on that, and for and and most people who uh, were old enough to actually watch Pistol Pete Maravich play, um, Kilborn, Craig Kilborn is our guest. I already have a bunch of emailers from uh, who are asking all the same question. They want to know who you believe the Wolves should take number one in the upcoming draft, or do you even want them to keep
0: the pick? I want them to trade the pick. Uh, because I want to know what we're getting. I've lived through so many years of Rashad McCants and Wesley Johnson.
1: (laughs) Derek Williams.
0: Johnny Flynn. And I don't know, Anthony Edwards. I know it's a crapshoot. I know it's difficult. You know, I I wish we had a guy like Donovan Mitchell. I I know he, I think he was gone He went 10th in the draft. I would like a, I think we should trade. Like when I hear about John Collins, the guy for Atlanta, Mm -hmm. that's great. I hope we, I hope if we do trade it, we get to keep Josh Okoge because he's I'm not saying he's the heart and soul of the team, but he's one of my favorite players. That guy really is inspirational to watch.
1: Energy uh, plus somebody's got to guard. I mean, they got they got almost yeah. nobody who can guard. No, I, I assume you were kind of a shutdown defender.
0: I could block shots um, at the net. No, I could block <laughs> shots, <laughs> and I could steal the ball occasionally. And I'm just being honest because you pull a lot out of me. The defensive stance hurts my lower back, so I. I <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, man's got to know his limitations. Hey, can I ask you a Vikings question? You can ask because I, I want to get to that too. I, what, what, well, let me let's start with this. What a tr- what do you like about Zim? Because you made that clear uh, when we had our screening call earlier uh, yesterday, actually, or the day before. What 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 do you see in Zim that that makes you root for him the way you seem to? His his uh,
0: first year with Minnesota. He got emotional at the end of the year. They went seven and nine. They could have easily they should there was a third down, third and twenty-three at Buffalo and they screwed up, but that's okay. They lost that game. But he was he said Xavier Rhodes came up to me and said, Thank you for making me a better player at the end of the season. And and Zim was emotional. The guy cares. He cares and he's a defensive genius. What he did last year down in New Orleans with the defensive ends, putting on the inside. I just I and I we're lucky to have him. In my opinion, now he can't fix. It's hard. It's hard to fix the offensive line. We know that.
1: That's true. But
0: that that win last last year in New Orleans, I told you on the phone. It's right. It's right behind the eighty-seven Anthony Carter show at Candlestick Park, and they upset the best yeah. team in football. That's. I mean, weren't you excited when they won that game down in New Orleans? They uh, were.
1: That was a really nice victory. Yeah, and I and I didn't see it coming. I have to say, I, uh, you're you're hundred percent right about that. So when you watch a game like that one. Are you in, you know, you got like, you know, a 125-inch flat screen with just you and your wife or just you or you and 25 people? This is pre-COVID. What, what, what's, what's sports like watching it with Craig Kilborn?
0: I have a, a mahogany panel den with burl wood inlay and, nice. and I have pocket doors. It's just in a 1923 house. I love it. For those people who have ever heard of Batchelder fireplace, it's a type of tile. I don't want to talk over everyone's head. You can cut this out of the show. <laughs> I know you're I know you're taping this. And um, but no, I I don't know if I'm 65 or 70, but I watch by myself. It's too stressful for my wife. Yeah. Um and I watch by myself. I don't want and I, it's rough. I mean, I, that's where I do get involved. I mean, basketball is different. But football, I, I just uh, – Chuck Foreman.
1: Oh.
0: He was my favorite player. And I started following the team, man. It was great. I was in elementary school. So Chuck
1: is a very loyal listener to this program. And you know what? It reminds me, we need to have him on. We haven't had him on in a while. And has come on the show on and off for years, and he happens to be – one of my favorite players growing up as a Chicago Bears fan but I remember him very well and you got you got good taste if if, if Chuck Foreman was indeed your guy just a, just a terrific runner
0: and receiver well, yeah he caught passes I remember Frank Gifford on Monday night called him the plastic man because he do the spins and twists yeah. and everything yeah and I went to I, I I think it was third or fourth grade and I went to a class and this guy a classmate Monday morning after watching the Vikings win, and this was about the purple people. And he just, he said, you know, every time the Packers hiked the ball, all I saw was purple. You know, so we've always, we've had great defenses over the years. So. True. Uh, but I do say, I do have a good attitude. This, and people will disagree with me. Uh, there's too much pressure. You know, everyone's freaking out about winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. If you're not going to win the Super Bowl, do what the Vikings do. Win a bunch of games. Win a bunch of divisions go to the playoffs all the time,
1: you know? Well, you can make that argument that, that better to be relevant more consistently than to have the, you know, incredible swings, highs and lows. You're right. Now, eventually here, I think people, uh, Vikings fans would say, God, I just want it once, you know, just give it to me once. But, but but there's something to, and they have been. You even go back to, like, the after the Herschel Walker, the, the disastrous trade, that didn't kill them to the degree that one might have assumed, given how much they gave yeah. up. They still found ways to at least stay relevant, even if they couldn't make it to the, the biggest game. Wait a all.
0: second. Dan, Dan, Dan. You Dan, Herschel Walker had a good first game.
1: Yes, he did. I was there for it. Shoe, <laughs> gets, shoe comes <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. He had
0: 148
1: yards. He was absurd. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember it very – we were all – that was it. That was the, the the final piece to the puzzle had been added, and there was no stopping right. the team. and didn't let me, quite turn out that way.
0: Let me ask you again. The, the game, uh, the other playoff game with Childress against the Saints where they lost in overtime with Brett Favre. Oh, now you're that killing was, us. Now you're yeah, killing that the producer. Was, no, no, that one was extremely painful because we obviously outplayed that, but we had five turnovers, which was ridiculous. Then this is the one that completely, and somebody wrote it in the Tribune, and I love it, the most inexcusable – penalty in Vikings like history when they came out <laughs> of the timeout and then they had too many men on the field. Correct. So then he had the throw. Twelve and men in the home. My hole. question my question to you is if we somehow won that game, mm-hmm. would Favre be able to play in the Super Bowl because of his ankle.
1: It's a great question. And I would say, knowing Favre a little exactly. bit,
0: he there's exactly. no way
1: he's going to miss that game, even if he's got to, you know, use a use a uh, even if he's on a gurney and he's throwing from a gurney, he would have done it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, that, that, absolutely. That would have uh, that, and he was well. We find out later about Bounty Gate, but I mean, he yeah. got as physically punished in that game as any quarterback I've ever seen. Kept coming back out for it. Uh, Larry Mondello guy is a guy who occasionally um, sends in jokes and uh, questions. He has this one for you. I know Kregers is content, but if he was approached to revive his role as nurse on The Bold and the Beautiful, would he be tempted?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very clever. Not bad. Good good reference, by the way. I I did a thing where I think I was doing different cameos on different CBS shows, basically mocking the shows but having fun doing
1: cameos.
0: Um, That's the beauty. Uh, of it. Gosh, I have I oh jeez, I have jokes. No, I did this one. There was this show called Martial Law or something. I can't remember what it was. Right, and I, I don't think I can say the guy's name because it'll hurt his feelings if he hears this. But I was doing He's a cameo as a joke, and he was a singer from the '70s or '80s who was taking the guest star role very seriously. <laughs> and I was there goofing. Oh, oh, I miss Rick Springfield. So, anyways. <laughs> Uh, I love the Vikings. And I love Mike Zimmer, um, and I, I Timberwolves. I love Cat. I, I love. Uh, I, I'm happy they got DeAngelo. We have to work on our team defense, obviously. Yeah, I yeah. would trade the pick, so we know what we're getting. I would trade the pick. Yeah. Were, were, you, were you excited when when Tibbs
1: made the Butler move? Were you? Excited or scared that ah, this isn't going to last, or there's no way this thing's going to be put together, or was it like, hey, let's go do this now? We got, we we're getting serious about this thing. Let's go out and get something done, and and let's roll the dice here with Jimmy Butler as sort of the 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 other piece, veteran two. As I don't have to tell you, two way basketball player.
0: Um, I'm going to say great question because it is a great question because I remember I was right here in this club chair, I saw the trade went through. And I, went, I was ecstatic. How do you get that guy here? How do you get him here? That is unbelievable what they were able to do. Now, I'm glad he's out of town. Get him out. Yep. Down on him. He didn't want to be there. Yep. I mean, I heard, I heard rumors that the problem was the contract. You know, they said yes. he, wanted to, he, wanted to, he wanted to make more than, than Cat and Wiggins, which I understand. You know, I'm not a Wiggins fan. I'm glad he's gone. But I, I'm a huge Cat fan. Okay? I just think he's so offensively gifted, and I think defensively he does block shots, he rebounds very, very well, just has to keep working on the team defense. But I was very, very happy when they got Jimmy Butler. It obviously backfired. Yeah,
1: I, I'm with you. I, I celebrated it, and it just obviously didn't work out because Butler, well, it, it really was contract-related, and he didn't like either of the young guys. Um, I want to finish up with uh, going yep, back sir. to light, late night a little bit here, because... Yep, This may be a function of my age, you know, and it's going to come off a little bit as, you know, get off my lawn guy and nothing could ever be as good as it once was back in the day, that kind of stuff. Okay, I get that, but I cannot watch for any discernible length of time late night TV, and I'm not sitting here saying there isn't talent there, Um, but I I am bothered by what I think has become the, the trend, which is one political note and it's become it to me it has it has overtaken so much of what is done that i feel like i'm never going to be surprised i want to be surprised Craigers, and i don't feel like right. i'm ever surprised anymore well, what do you see from your chair
0: well i you you mentioned this on the phone the other day and i really reacted cuz i agree with you 100% one of the reasons i don't miss late night at all is because there's too much for me. I don't want to do social commentary, and I don't want to cover politics. I like talking to my friends privately about these things. I'm very comfortable saying it was in the LA Times in 2015. I interviewed myself. I'm a glorious independent. I'm above the political fray. Mm-hmm. But there is a, you know, religious type approach to politics for some people, and you better not stray. So it's I, I'm glad I don't. I don't watch late night. Uh, they have a job to do. I, I don't want to talk about universal health care, like Jimmy Kimmel has to do. I want universal health care if it, if the costs are right. Let's do it. But I I don't want to have to talk about it. For me to be that disciplined, I have to sell out and tiptoe mm-hmm. to talk about stuff. Yeah, you know? well stated,
1: and that's why a lot of I mean, I think you're you're better off out of it if if you can't. It's got to be liberating because it's clear that's the direction it's going, and that's the only way to "quote unquote" keep up. Or at least that's the that seems to be the um, the belief for those who are who are doing and producing those uh, yeah, particular yeah, programs.
0: Right, and I also prefer sitting in my club chair reading editorials yep. from both sides. These are full time intellectual pundits. I don't want to. I don't need to hear the opinions of comics and late night hosts. But I do watch the Bill Maher show because of his guests, and, you know, I'll agree with him sometimes and a lot of times and disagree with him on some things. But, yeah, so I, I'm glad I don't have to participate in that.
1: Well, uh, Maher is a great example. I'm glad you brought, brought him up because Maher will surprise you. That's, that's where I, I, can, I can still watch Maher. He's obviously – uh, he makes no apologies. He's, he's, he's left of center and on some stuff way left of center, but he will surprise you. And to that extent, and for that reason, by the way, he gets destroyed uh, sometimes by p- parts of the left, the far, the progressive left. But to me, that's what makes him more interesting um, and yeah. makes him more worth spending some time. I was like, oh, I, okay, I wasn't sure that I didn't know that was necessarily going to be coming from him based on what his sensibilities are supposed to be.
0: Um, well, there's a, yeah, there's, a, there's a one more thing closing up. But there's a as we know, there's a big, big chasm and big fight between the left and the right. Yes. On the left, there's also moderates versus the progressives, and that's kind of what you're saying. Exactly so right. Big, yeah. yeah.
1: That's, and, in fact, we probably talk about that on this show two or three times a week. Um, I could go the entire show, but um, you've got not things Clint to
0: Eastwood. do. Hey, I'm not Clint Eastwood. Don't go the entire <laughs> show with me. I'm just a young, humble kid from Hastings, Minnesota, who could shoot the lights out. That's all I am.
1: That's That's a pretty good epitaph right there. I tell you what, that's not bad. Um, well, it's great to catch up with you. I'm hoping it won't be 10 more years uh, before I'll we do it again, because I'm telling I'll you, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to text you later today the hotline number, which means okay. at any moment where you're bored out of your mind and you just want to start jabbering, or maybe you think of it as therapeutic. You call <laughs> us, we drop whoever we have on, unless it's Zimmer. Unless, and maybe if it's Zimmer, we put, him on, put you on with him. And uh, will you have an open invitation because it's, it, it's really great to catch up with you. And uh, uh, I appreciate uh, you giving us as much time as you have.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dan. Had a, had a lot of fun. You're the man. Thanks, Craig. Craig Kilbourne,
1: okay. ladies and gentlemen, helping us out. Still living in Southern, living the dream. Southern California. He doesn't need to be on the TV every day anymore. Doesn't need it.
0: Think- Step into the world of power, loyalty.